You know, um, I think some of you know this. I'm a slow walker. My wife is a fast walker. And when we go out to walk together, we always start walking together. And we're talking and we're just, but it doesn't take long when all of a sudden Kim's a little bit further along. Then she's a little bit further out ahead. We've stopped talking and she's way out ahead of me. And I find, hey, Kim, if you want to talk with, walk with me, you've got to slow down. Did you know God's a slow walker? Many of us are just like that. We start off, we'll talk with God. We'll have our quiet time in the morning. We'll stop, we'll talk with God, and we'll walk slowly with him. Then we jump into the day, and we start going like that, and we start moving farther ahead, we start moving farther, and God is just walking slowly, and we're getting out of distance, and no longer can we hear that still, small voice of the Spirit of God leading us. You know, we live in a culture that drives us. We are busy, we're in a hurry, and that not only impacts our external life and our schedule, but that does something inside in our souls that seems to jack it up, put it on steroids, makes our heart and soul keep on running like this, and it's full of noise, and we just can't connect with our God. Well, you know, We've been doing a series right now called The Unhurried Life, and we're looking at some of the practices that Jesus did. Um, you know, we, 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 we learn a lot about Jesus' teaching. Matter of fact, we learn about his practices in his teachings. And what we're trying to do is particularly look at some of the habits, some of the patterns some of the things that Jesus did over and over again and say, if we applied those to our life, what a difference that would make. And many people call these practices or habits of Jesus disciplines. Uh, many call them spiritual disciplines. And the Sabbath is one of those disciplines. Matter of fact, it's interesting, we, our, our group met this week with John Mark Comer, and I, I love the way he connected Sabbath is rooted in God. Because God Sabbathed after he created the world. Six days he created the world, then he Sabbathed. And Sabbath is really rooted in the practice of God, which he started was rooted in God, then he commanded Israel, and we're no longer under the law, but Sabbath for you and me now is a means of wisdom, a gift that God's given us to stop and to cease to reconnect with God. And this series, we're going to not only talk about Sabbath. Josh is going to give a message. And we're going to talk about a few other practices that will help us slow down and connect with God. But this morning, I just want to stop saying, what is a spiritual discipline? And why do we do them? That's all I'm going to do today, very simply. I don't know how long it'll take. I was shocked. The first time the board has talked so much about my message was at the last meeting. It had nothing to do with what I said. They were shocked. Pat, you only took 30 minutes. And I mean, this was the big talk of the board meeting. I thought, wow. So I don't know how long I'm going to be today. Maybe I'll give you something to talk about again. But uh, 
I just want to share two simple things. What is a discipline and why do we do them? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter four. I want you to see this because you know, you do know what's important is what God's word says, not what Pat's, you know, God uses sermons. So I don't put that down either. But the most important thing is God's word because my sermon is supposed to be a servant of God's word. So I want you this morning, as we look at God's word, try to absorb those words and remember those words. My attempt here is to help you understand them and apply them the best I can. So what I'm going to read now is the heart of what we want to learn. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, But I have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You know, this word discipline, uh, just a little bit of a Greek window here for you going into the grammar. It's what they call an active, it's an active present or present active. It's a present tense, active voice. The voice is talking about who does the action. When it's passive, the action is happening to me. When it's active, I'm doing the action. So in this passage, the word discipline is something that I do. It's something that I move out and step toward. Present tense means it's something that's a lifestyle. It's a habit. You do it repeatedly. You do it over and over again. And so we're talking about an action that we do repeatedly, over and over again so much that it becomes part of our lifestyle, it becomes a habit of our life. And that's what we're looking in Jesus' life. What were some of his habits? And my sub simple definition of discipline is it's training. It's uh, preparing yourself by repeated exercise. How many of you have been to a physical therapist before? <laughs> you, uh, but gone to the gym, working out, either one of those, and what do we do? We do the same thing over and over again consistently. We go back three days later and we do it again or two days later, and we're working that particular muscle and we're training it by repetition and continuing habitually to do it. If you just go one day, it's not going to work. But if you continuously, repeatedly work that muscle over and over again, that'll be strengthened and become something that is strong for us. Dallas Willard, I like the way he defines a spiritual discipline. Training has to do with arranging my life around those activities that will enable me to do Oh, man, I, I need to quit trying. What I cannot do by direct, maybe I should keep trying because then I can discipline my eyes to see it. I, I should, now I'm inconsistent with what I'm teaching. 
But he's tra training has to do with arranging my life around those activities that will enable me to do what I cannot now do by direct effort. In other words, man, I, I want to go try to pick up this and I want to bench press 300 pounds. Well, I can go out to the gym and try to lift that up with direct effort right now, but I can't do that. But if I arrange my life around things so that I can begin to begin enabled as I consistently practice to it, someday I should be ready to be able to do that. I love what my professor, I think, Joel, you're familiar with this name, John Best, in Greek, uh, very first class, and this one always has stuck with me. That what you wish to do with ease, you must first do with diligence. Isn't that what discipline's all about? That's something I want to do easily. I want it to come naturally. I just want to, you know, and so what he's saying here is that what you want to do with ease, you first have to do with diligence. That's what discipline's all about. Diligently practicing over and over again something so that it becomes easy for me as a part of my life. Here's my definition. Arranging my life around practices, obviously took that from Dallas Willard. Arranging my life around practices that allow me to connect with God in order to experience God's transforming grace by his spirit. That's what a spiritual discipline is. Now I'm arranging my life around practices that will allow me to connect with God. And when I connect with God, I'm going to be front, face to face with his glory, and I'm going to be transformed into that same image. That's what spiritual disciplines are all about. I remember years ago, um, being at a conference, John Ortberg was speaking about spiritual disciplines. And he said this, how many of you could go out tomorrow morning and run a marathon? You know, and I ask you, and there may be some of you in here who can, but that's because you've been training. It's because you arranged your life around practices that would enable you to be able to run a marathon. See, I haven't. So if I went out tomorrow and tried to run a marathon, it just, I mean, you guys know I can't even run if I wanted to start with. I'd have to walk a marathon. I'd have to limp through a marathon. And I, after I get about three blocks, I'd give up. But what happens if we say, I'm going to dedicate the next year, I'm going to dedicate the next two years to arrange my life around practices that will get me ready to run a marathon? You know, guys, it'll be all different. You see, disciplines are about arranging our life around things that will prepare us and enable us to do what we can't do right now by direct effort. So that's what a discipline is. Well, why do we do them? Why do we do spiritual disciplines? Why are we doing these practices that Jesus did? Well, look back at the text. Let me reread it. Starting in verse 7, it says this, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women on the other hand, discipline yourself 
for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive because we fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of believers. Godliness is the first reason. When I think of a spiritual discipline, I'm, putting, I'm arranging my life around practices that will make me more godly than I am today. Godliness is simply more like Jesus, more godlike. It'd be in the way I think, in the way I act, in my attitudes, in the way I speak. You know, the list goes on and on. But I'm doing this for the reason that God will work in my life to make me more godly. But I want to give you a second purpose for spiritual disciplines. And that's this. In Daniel chapter 3, I love this verse. This is the passage when Daniel uh, went to seek the Lord to confess the sins of Israel. And uh, this became the prayer that God used to bring Israel out of captivity, Judah actually out of captivity in Babylon and back to their land. But he started like this. So I gave my attention to the Lord, God, to, to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. See, prayer and supplication go together, and fasting and sackcloth and ashes, they go together. He gave his attention to seek God by prayer and fasting. Prayer is a practice. It's a habit that Jesus had. Fasting is a practice that Jesus had. It's a practice we can learn. But you know this word, give my attention. You know, we can just slip over that. He gave his attention, you know, to seek the Lord. In the Hebrew, now I gotta say, Josh is pretty good with Hebrew words. I'm still struggling with pronouncing English words, so I don't, don't do that quite as well. But I can tell you what it means. It means to set your face. Daniel set his face to seek God. He set his face on the Lord God to seek him. Well, what's it mean to set your face? Well, remember we learned in the New Testament, Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. It was that stage in his life when he was heading up to Jerusalem because he knew he had to die. There was nothing that was going to distract him. He was resolute. He was deliberate. He had set his face. I got my eyes on the goal. The goal is Jerusalem. I'm going there and nothing's going to stop me. And this is what Daniel's saying. He set his face on God. And he set his face on God to seek God. And he set his face on God to seek God by prayer and fasting. He set his face on God to seek him by spiritual practices. You see, the goal of this 
is to connect with God. You see, he said by prayer and fasting. That's the means. The end is connecting with God. You know, I'm, I'm amazed how many years of my life, and maybe some of you are there, that I said my prayers. And you know what? I could have said my prayers without God in the room. I could have said my prayers with no awareness that I was talking to God. I was saying my prayers. God bless the church. Heal this person that's sick. Give wisdom to this person that needs this. You know, I'm just going through a list. You know, prayer is about talking to God. And when we pray, it's about seeking the face of God to talk to him. And it's not just saying a bunch of my prayer. I got, I got to go through my prayer list today and I got to say my prayers without having any idea that I'm talking to God. I'm just saying my prayers. You see, the goal of every spiritual discipline is to connect with God. And as Daniel was, we need to be deliberate, resolute. We need to set our face on God. We got to set our face on seeking God. And we set our face on seeking God by these disciplines, these practices that we're trying to learn as we're looking to turn my face away from all the busyness and hurry of my daily life to set my face on God. That's why we do spiritual disciplines. Listen to God's promise to those who seek after him in this way. He said this in Jeremiah, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. God, when I turn my face from the busyness and the hurry, and I turn my face totally on you, to seek after you with all my heart, God's promise is this, you'll find me. You'll connect with me. I kind of feel like it's, it's kind of like playing hide and seek with my grandchildren. You know, they're working so hard to find me and I'm just over here. But at some point, I step out where they can see me. <laughs> and God wants, are you really coming after me with all your heart? And when he sees one of his children has set his face to connect with God with all their heart, God kind of steps out for his little children, says, here I am. You seek me with all my heart, you're going to find me. That's the goal of spiritual disciplines, finding God. And as we learned a couple weeks ago, what happens when you find God? When I connect with God and when I see God face to face and I see his glory, all of a sudden I'm transformed by that glory into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. And so guess what that does? That makes me godly. <laughs> makes me more like Jesus. And so the goal of spiritual disciplines are to connect with God so I can become more like God as he transforms me in that process. You know, when we pull away from the busyness and connect with God, what happens is, is this. We reorient our life 
around God. We recalibrate. You know, calibration is that exact measurement. And what happens is, is when we pull away from the busyness and the hurry, and I seek to connect with God, and let's take my Sabbath right now. Man, I was just studying about that. I'm taking a day, I'm taking a few hours, I'm taking whatever I set aside to cease from all my work to seek God, to reconnect with Him so that my life gets recalibrated with God so that my life now will be reoriented around God. So when I go back out to life after that, guess what? I carry that new recalibration and that new orientation back into my daily life so that Jesus is at the center, not just during the practice, but now during my life. And of course, we know busyness and hurry comes at us and gets us all shaken up, and that's why we gotta go back and keep on practicing. It's what a discipline is, we do it repeatedly. We make it a discipline. When we come back, we recalibrate our life with God by stopping to seek after him with all our hearts. You know, um, when we think of time with God, we think like this. I'm going to carve out some time for God. But that's not what God's looking for in our lives. God's looking to be the center of our lives. He's looking for Jesus to be our all in all. So this recalibration is not just I set aside a day, I set aside an hour, I set aside a half an hour, whatever it is to recalibrate with God, then I go about life. That's designed to help it get to the place where Jesus becomes our all in all. When we think of time, we think like a pie. Look, look at this pie up here. Now, I don't know if you can see it. Can you see that J on that one piece of pie? There's a slice there with a J on it. That was my own handiwork on PowerPoints. That's about as good as I am. I thank God for Pete, who does all my work for me. Um, but I tried to do a J on there. That's, who, do you th who do you think J stands for? Any wild guesses? You guys are sharp. You can't slip one by this group. That's the way most of us look at our time with Jesus. It's like a slice of pie. And the rest of the slices aren't even touching each other, have no impact on each other. I take out my slice with Jesus. I have my time with Jesus. Then I move about life. But now this is the way that God desires for our life. And it's like a hub. That's a hub of a bicycle tire right at the center. You pull out a spoke or two, that whole wheel's gonna be out of joint and not gonna operate right. And what God longs in our life is, is that he be the hub of our life that holds all the pieces together. And if I take Jesus out of any of those pieces, those pieces are gonna fall apart. And so the purpose of a discipline yeah, we're carving out a piece of time, but we're trying to recalibrate so that Jesus becomes the hub of my life, so that every moment of my day, Jesus becomes my all in all. That's the purpose of a discipline.
We're trying to get Jesus back to the center of our life, and we need to stop every once in a while to do that, to recalibrate. Mark Buchanan. Um, John Mark Comer wrote a great book on disciplines and Sabbath. Mark Buchanan wrote a whole book on, on Sabbath called the, Re the Rest of God. It was a really good book. Uh, this is, he, I got a couple quotes I took from here. He said this, most of us live afraid that we're almost out of time. We are not short of days. We just need to number them aright. Isn't that true? That's how most of us live. I don't have enough time. And we're all running around in a hurry because I don't have enough time and I got all these things to do. Our need is not more time, brothers and sisters. We all have the time that we need to do what God wants us to do. We need to learn to number our days aright. So it says we number our days so we can present to him a heart of wisdom. And when I learn to number my days right and my time right and look at life from the orientation of the recalibration of where God looks at it, it's a whole different ball game. He says this later on. Sabbath keeping is more than time management. It's a fresh orientation to time where we think with holy imagination about how the arc of our moments and hours and days intersect with eternity. But you get the point here? Sabbath is my reorientation. How do my days and my hours and my moments and my time intersect with eternity? What's God doing here? What does God want to do? Where do I take time to stop and say, God, what's going on here? What's going on with my life? What's all this mean? What are you doing? What do you want from me? Where do you want to go? This is what stopping and ceasing is all about to reorient our life around God. Then I like this one. The Swahili word for white man is mezungu. It literally means one who spins around. That's the way East Africans look at North Americans, white North Americans. You know what? They're a bunch of people who are just spinning around, out of control. You know, guys, probably a pretty accurate description. People that are just spinning around, out of control, running from this thing to that thing, to this event, to this expectation, to this whatever, and we're just spinning around out of control. And Sabbath is God's gift to you and me to step outside the spinning, to slow down, to stop, and reorient my life around God. That's what spiritual disciplines are about. Whether it's prayer, whether it's quiet time, whether it's Sabbath, whether it's fasting, we're seeking to connect with God in a way that will change the rest of my life. Not like a piece of pie. I had my time with God this morning, but more like that hub. It says, I need Jesus at the center of everything. And if I take him out of there, the whole wheel's gonna fall apart. You know, um,
I told you that Kim and I this fall were fortunate to visit with a consultant. His name was Doug Slayball. Actually, Doug, uh, very close friends with Rick Warren. I think he was his executive pastor for a number of years. Interesting, two weeks before he met with me and Kim, he met with Rick and Kay Warren to talk about the same issues about what are you gonna do after you retire. And one of the things that Doug spoke to us about was um, looking at a cycle of refreshment and renewal. He says, what are, you know, part of what, what do we learn in the Sabbath, because Sabbath is about stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping. So he's talking about the delighting part. He says, Pat, and, and Kim, he did with both of us each individually, do you know what delights you? Do you know what refreshes you? Do you know what you need to do to be restored and renewed? And so we walk through this process, what do we need to do on a daily basis, what do we do on a weekly basis, what do we do on a quarterly basis to be able to keep fresh and vital. And one of the things I put down is Sabbath because I used to do Sabbath. I stopped for a long time because like many others, I was too busy, too many things to do. And so after, you know, Doug was going through it, Doug says, Pat, when are you gonna start doing Sabbath? And I'll never forget this experience because it was one of those times the Holy Spirit, it's like your words just were so empty. It's like you're, you're embarrassed that you spoke and you wish you could take me. I said this, I said, Doug, I'm planning to start Sabbath when I retire because I'm too busy right now. And it's like the Spirit of God said, God gave Sabbath as a gift to give us a break from our work so we could be refreshed. So I'm saying, I'm gonna wait till all my work's done, then I'm gonna take a break. God said, no, I gave you Sabbath as a gift, as a break right in the middle of your work so you can reorient and refresh and delight and be with God in a brand new way. I was like, I, I, I can't believe I said that. It was like, it's like the words were like, whoo. Now, God, I know God doesn't say this, Pat, you're an idiot. <laughs> so I think I said it to myself, Pat, you're an idiot, after I said that. I said, I can't believe you just said that, man. It was just those, those words were so empty. I came home, first Friday back, I've started doing Sabbath. Still learning, still practicing, still wrestling with it. First thing I did was turn off my phone and no texts, no calls, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've started to try to rest, do things that refresh and fill and delight me. Try to spend extra time with God, seeking Him and His face through His Word and prayer and worship. And I'll tell you what, I remember before, um, before Christmas, we do this thing we call the lightning round from ESPN, our consultant Ted taught us about this. Just take 30 seconds, tell us how you're doing. Going around the room and I'm amazed, I'm, like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm full of anxiety, I'm tired, I'm this. And I was feeling some of the same and I think, you know, I said that. But you know, by the time I came back, and I know it's because I started doing uh, Sabbath, 
Because nothing changed in my schedule, nothing changed in the chaos of my life, nothing changed in the demands of what I had, but the one thing that changed is I started practicing Sabbath every Friday. And when I went to the lightning, when I realized, and then going back and everybody going, yeah, I feel tired, I'm still worn, I'm still this, I said, you know what? I gotta be honest with you, nothing's changed, but I feel composed. And I feel joy. And I believe the only explanation for that is because I've taken God's gift, not the command, Pat, if you don't do Sabbath, I'm gonna spank you. No, but the gift that God has given to man, because Jesus said, that man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. God made Sabbath as a gift for man. And when we actually take the gift that God has given us and begin to apply it to our life and do it, guess what? There's a new composure and there's a new joy that has no explanation but God. So let me ask you, if Doug Slayball was here today and said to you, when are you going to start practicing Sabbath? What would be your answer? Our group was really struck by John Mark Comer when he talked about people said, but, but I'm too busy to say, I got too many things. To but God's Sabbath. But I got little kids. But God's Sabbath. And we keep on filling in all these excuses but here's the reality. God Sabbathed. Why are we not? Why? And again, start with where you are. You say, man, start with where you are. Maybe say, I can take two hours. And I, I, I say to young parents, trade with somebody. You know, you say, I can't do it. I got kids that are responsible. Well, you know what? Find somebody else wants to do it. This week, you take two hours or on this day, and then you take their kids and let them do it. God will give you wisdom how to make it. Where are you at in your life? Don't be like me who said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bang it out till I retire. For some of you, man, if you're gonna bang it out till you retire, you got 40 to 50 years to go. You know what? This is a gift that God has given to you and to me. I encourage you today, don't just learn about Sabbath. Don't just learn about silence and solitude. Don't just learn about quiet times. Don't just learn about a rule of life. Learn how to meet with God with all your heart and connect with him and have your life transformed in a way that will change the rest of your life. So, Father, I want to pray for us as a church. I want to thank you, God. You've given us so many gifts. God, you've given us many means to connect with you. I want to pray, God, would you give us the heart? Would you, by your Holy Spirit, build within each person in this room and each person listening online a heart to set our face to seek you? to turn away from the busyness, to turn away from the hurry, to connect with you in such a way that it reorients and recalibrates our lives and that we become people where Jesus just doesn't get a slice of our life, but Jesus is the hub of our life. It's in his name I pray, amen.